0: Are you ready to finish our series today uh, on the Holy Spirit? Yes. I, uh, this is week seven, by the way, uh, week seven of our series on the Holy Spirit. And if you are new with us, uh, you, you know, go back and watch them. Um, we've covered a lot of material. We've covered a lot of things as it relates to the Holy Spirit in week, weeks kind of one and two, we talked about who is the Holy Spirit. And, uh, because our, our congregation, our church is so diverse, uh, we have people that come from Catholic backgrounds. I think first service, uh, I met some people who literally like, like are Catholic and like their first Sunday was, was today. And I was like, bless you. <laughs> you know, you came at a good time. Uh, but we got Catholics, a, a lot of traditional like Baptists and Methodists and Pentecostals and crazy Pentecostals and snake handling Pentecostals. No, we don't have any of those, but, uh, just people from, uh, all, all walks, um, of life and, and church background. And so I honor that. Um, and, uh. But I also know that some of the stuff that I talk about is a little controversial, and some people's view of the Holy Spirit is inaccurate. Some people's view of the Holy Spirit, and I talked to some people who were saying, man, I've always viewed the, the Spirit as like a mist, as like just this external kind of force that just swoops in and, uh, and you know, helps us out when we need help. Kind of like, you know, Star Wars, like the force or something. And, I, and, and so I spent some time talking about how the Holy Spirit is a person, which means you can have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can wake up in the morning, tomorrow morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And that won't be, you know, crazy because it's, it's God, the Holy Spirit. So he's a person and yet he's also God. We looked at how the Spirit moved through the Old Testament leading up to Pentecost and, uh, and so we, we talked about how we can hear the voice of the Spirit. I spent a whole message talking about uh, how we can tune in and learn how to hear the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. And then last week, man, last week was, was a big one uh, for some of you because I preached a message on making sense of the gift of speaking in tongues. And uh, some some of the people after the services that I talked to were a little bit rattled, and uh, some people said, "Man, I've been in church 25 years. I've never ever heard one pastor preach from this text or from this topic." So thank you. Now she did also say, "I'm not. I, I'm still got. I, I got to go home and kind of pray over all this stuff and look in the Bible." But I said, "Praise God. That's all I want. All I want us to do is to simply look at this." And, and begin to seek after more of God. If you see it in scripture, I just need you to say, I trust God and so I'm gonna seek after it and I'm gonna open myself up to the Spirit because I can trust the Holy Spirit. And so last week we talked about tongues which is a, a big divider and I talked about the difference and and and, and kind of why for years there's been this, this this fight between Pentecostals and 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 traditional more Baptist denominations and how I think there's been error on both sides and some of the some of the Pentecostals have been arrogantly just standing up and, and saying things like if you don't have if you don't speak in tongues you're not saved and you don't have the Holy Spirit and that's false and I talked about how when you said yes to Jesus the Holy Spirit came came to live inside of you. Not 20% of the Holy Spirit and then you need the baptism of the Spirit for the other 80. No, God the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you at salvation, which means when you got saved, you have what you need to begin the sanctification process, to begin to live like Jesus. And so today, in talking about, and kind of finishing this up, Uh, I want to help us make sense of another controversial topic. We're going to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not preached on a lot um, unless, you know, there are certain circles that preach on it. And in my experience, uh, unfortunately, when I've you know, you pull up sermons on it and listen to pastors, they're going to go right to Acts chapter two. They're going to read the story of Pentecost. They're going to scream at you really loud. They're going to spit on the first row. And, uh, and then they're going to, they're going to call the the church up and, and, and really make people feel like if they don't somehow receive this, that they're less than. I need to say this right, right off the bat. We're going to talk about this. But, but if you've not experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the way that we're going to see it in Scripture, you are not a second-rate Christian. You're not less than. And I want to apologize on behalf of of pastors and ministers who would stand up and further divide the church. And that's why our traditional friends and and actually those who are writing most of our commentaries and and our Baptist brothers and sisters have to look over at them and say, you know, you're you're just ignorant. Because you're not even really using a lot of scriptural base and you're just yelling at me and telling me that I don't have the Holy Spirit. And so it's creating this divide. I'm not going to do that today. What I'm going to do today is really teach about this. So this is teaching today. I'm going to teach on the baptism of the Spirit because I want to show you that it's biblical. And if it's biblical, you can trust it. Come on. And then this Wednesday night, I want you to show up. Uh, service starts at seven o'clock and we're going to have first, first Wednesday service is going to be a Holy Spirit night. Uh, it's hard when we're doing three services to have a 20 minute, you know, time of prayer and altar time at the end of the service when we've got people that are coming in in the next service. So Wednesday night, come here. If you're hungry for more of God and I want to lay hands on you, our leaders want to lay hands on you and ask God to just empower you. And you should not be freaked out about that. You should be hungry for that. You should want more of what God has for you. Can I get an amen right there? Okay, so today, we're going to make sense of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let me say this, it's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Grammar is important here. It is the baptism in or with the Holy Spirit. When we talk about baptism in Scripture, uh, we I see in Scripture that there are three baptisms, and... Uh, Most of the time, the controversy is on the fact that people believe that there's only one, especially our traditional friends who would say, no, there's only one baptism and not three. So the word baptism in the Greek is the Greek word baptizo, and it literally just means to immerse fully. That's why to our Catholic friends, we would say we love you, but we would disagree on on the method of baptism. You would sprinkle when they're a child, but the actual word, the actual biblical word means to immerse fully. So that's why when you get saved, we want to baptize you and you go all the way under the water, not halfway, all the way under the water, representing the fact that all of your sin, all of your junk has been left down in the water. And when we bring you back up out of the water, you are it is a representation of your new birth your new life new creation not better creation come on now Christ did not die to make you better he died to make you new you don't need a a, a, (laughs) you don't need a better version of yourself I'm not here to slam self-help books but you should not be sitting here thinking, man, if I could just read this book, if I could just improve here, I could really be a better, and I just need, if I could just, I could be a better person, I could be a better person. No, you don't need to be better. You need to be made new. So baptism, baptizo, to immerse fully. All right, let's look at the three types, the three types of baptism. Number one, uh, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. First Corinthians twelve thirteen says, for in one spirit, capital S. Uh, the Holy Spirit, we are all baptized into one body, into the body of Christ. Um, at this moment, you receive the Holy Spirit, you are born again. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. But listen, the Holy Spirit is the subject. In other words, it is the Holy Spirit is the one baptizing you into Christ. The subject of, of the baptism is important, and you're going to see why in just a moment. The second baptism is the one that you all agree with, and it is the, the disciples baptize baptism of water. Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, and then he says what? Baptizing them, baptizing them. This is the baptism in water, and, and I don't think anybody would disagree. This is kind of one of the ordinances of the church, communion and baptism. And so we do this because God commanded us to do it. It's a representation of what happened on the inside of us. But it's the third baptism that people really get tripped up on, and we want to talk about that today and uh and 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 then afterwards we're still going to be friends, okay So Jesus. Remember, Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. Then we have the baptism of the water in water. But then Matthew three eleven says that Jesus is now the actual subject. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, or you could say it this way: immerses us fully into the Holy Spirit. Matthew three eleven says, "I baptize you with water for repentance." This is John, who's John the Baptist, saying this. But, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Who's going to be doing the baptizing? Jesus. So, so John is saying in the book of Matthew that, hey, what's coming soon is that, is that Jesus is going to baptize you into the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1-8, we see kind of the reason for this. And this, man, let me, let me just stop here for a moment and say this. This is another place that Christians get this wrong. Why do we need this? And I'm gonna share my story last, like I did last week. I don't want my experience to be first because I wanna show you scriptural first. Our experience doesn't dictate our theology, right? We should raise our experience to the level of our theology and get our theology from the Bible. So I'm going to leave that for last. But, um, you know, in, in Acts 1-8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. This is the primary purpose for the baptism in the Spirit. To empower you to be a witness for Christ. Not so that you can showboat on a stage or show everybody how gifted you are. In other words, the bapt. The role of sal- at salvation and, and, and the Spirit's work at salvation is more internal. It is, it is a change from the inside out. But the role of the baptism in the Spirit is more external. In other words, I am empowered to be who God has called me to be. Out there. Out there. To continue to advance the kingdom of God. So we see that Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Now, just quickly, two objections to this. I told you today is going to be a little more teaching, uh, just teaching this. I want you to see it in Scripture, and then just, just, you know, you make your own determination. And then for those that are hungry, come Wednesday, we're going to pray for you. Two objections. Here's the first one The baptism in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit are the same. They're the same. This is the most common objection to the baptism in the Spirit. And, uh, and, and really the one that most commentators would say. There, there, there are, you know, there's not many, there's one, they're the same. So at Pentecost, salvation, baptism of the Spirit, it's all one and the same. And here's why I would object to this. Because grammatically, the subjects are different. They can't be the same baptisms because in First Corinthians twelve thirteen it is the Holy Spirit who's doing the baptism. He's doing the baptizing. So, in 1 Corinthians, it is the Holy Spirit who's baptizing you into Jesus. In Matthew 3, and what we see in Acts, it is Jesus as the subject baptizing us into the Holy Spirit. So, those baptisms cannot be the same. Grammatically, they they are different. You follow that? A lot of people would use Ephesians 4 4 and 5 to say that there's only one baptism, that there's only one baptism. Uh, in, in that same verse, it also says that there is one Lord. It says there's one baptism, there's one Lord. But here's what I want to uh, I, I do over the next few moments. I want to show you that there are, we know, three and yet one. Three gods, yet one God. And those three agree as one. So what I'm here to show you is that there are also three baptisms, and those three baptisms agree as one. What? What's interesting is what I found is that, that a lot of the people that I talk to who would disagree that there are more than one baptism and say that there's only one, they actually believe there's two. Because no Bible scholar, no, no you know, traditional person would say, would disagree with the fact that there is a baptism into Christ. That's the first one. And then they would also have to agree, they would all agree, that there is a water baptism. And, and so there's two. And so you 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 say that there there's not there's only one because of this verse, and yet you already believe in two. You You're just missing the third one. You just need the third. You're two out of three. Just come just come a little bit farther and come with me, and 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 see that the three agree as one. Here's another objection that I found, and I tried to be fair in my objections. I didn't want to build a straw man and just to make a case. I want to be fair. But I did find this objection that people would say that, well, Jesus wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was kind of shocked to see this one. Uh, um, and so let's talk about it. At, at, when Jesus was baptized into water, let's talk about that. Or, or let me ask this. Uh, was Jesus born again? It's a trick question. He wasn't born again because he was born right the first time. So he didn't need to be born again. All right. Okay. But, but was he water baptized? He was. And then was he spirit baptized? I believe he was. Because in that same verse, in, in, in Matthew chapter 3, uh, we see that uh, he was water baptized. And when he came up, the Bible says that the spirit came upon him like a dove. It's important. It doesn't say that a dove came on him like the spirit. We see, <laughs> we see, we see pictures in the drawings and we see the dove, right? It says the spirit came on him like a dove. So the Spirit came upon Jesus after he was water baptized, and it was that very moment that began his supernatural ministry on the earth. It was not one moment before that. He needed the empowerment of the Spirit. And I'm just here to tell you, if Jesus needed the power of the Spirit on the earth to fulfill and to do his ministry, don't you think we do? Don't you think we do as well? And why would we ever criticize, be overly critical, uh, uh, and and kind of push away people who are just hungry for more of God? I see this over and over with my traditional friends. Because of a theological difference, they're going to stand with their arms crossed and say, you're just a bunch of charismatic, crazy people who believe in in the baptism of the Spirit. But what you're saying is, you're crazy for hungering after more of God. You're crazy for wanting all that God has for you. And I'm here to tell you, even if I'm wrong, the worst thing that's gonna happen to me is that I've hungered for more of God. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Was Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit? I would say, yes, yes, he was. Let me show you just some patterns throughout scripture in the time that we have left today. All throughout Scripture, we see this pattern of, of salvation or blood and then water and then spirit, the three that agree as, as one. And I want to show you this. Uh, we're going to start in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. This is the story of Philip who goes to Samaria and preaches the gospel to them. And I'm going to show you this. It says "But in verse 12, But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, They were baptized, both men and women. So, you you with me? He preached Jesus to them. They got saved, and then they got water baptized. Uh, Look at verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for they had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. And they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So this is showing that there was a, there was a salvation experience A redemption experience, there was a a water baptism baptism experience, and then there was a spirit immersion uh, experience. Now, to my objectors who would say, but this is just part of, you know, uh, Pentecost. No, this is five years after Pentecost. This is five years after that the spirit came at Pentecost that this event took place. Let me show it to you in another place in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, and, and honestly, this is a, a passage of Scripture that a lot of my, my Baptist theologian friends, just it's really difficult for them to try to, uh, you know, somehow make this fit their theology, and here's why. Chapter 19, verse 1, it says this, And when it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, that question uh, is is like, whoa, Paul, why would you even ask that question? Of course they received the Spirit when they believed. Because, hear me, this is 25 years after Pentecost. This is not the next day. This is not the inauguration, you know, the moment in the upper room. No, this is 25 years later. Paul found some disciples, and he's asking them this question. And they said, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, and that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then after that... Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. You know, we've just got to look at that verse and say, that's there, guys. I didn't write it. God wrote it. I'm going to show it to you somewhere else, the three agreeing as one. Because in this story, in Acts 19, we see, we see salvation, we see water, and then we see spirit. Look in, look in 1 John 5 seven and eight, three and yet one and the three agree as one. Look at 1 John 5, seven and eight. For there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree. Wow. Wow. Spirit, water. And blood, and these three are not at—they're not at odds with each other. They are not fighting with each other. They are not holding on to their 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 theological—you know—just the white knuckling and just and punching each other in the face and saying, "You're wrong, you crazy Pentecostal." No, you're wrong, you—you you know, you stuck up, arrogant, you know, theologian. No, 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 the Spirit, the water, and 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 the blood of the redemption—they agree together as one. Can I show it to you again? First Corinthians 10, one and two. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Do you see that? The three agreeing as one. Moses was their deliverer. The cloud was the spirit. And then the water representing the washing and the regeneration of of. salvation moment. Do you see how the three are there, and yet they agree as one? One more place. It's interesting when you look at the tabernacle of Moses. Before the priest could enter into the holy place, there were three things that happened. And I want to show you this because this further illustrates the three that agree as one. In the tabernacle there was something uh, called the altar of the blood of the lamb. And they would pass by the altar of the blood of the Lamb and make a sacrifice. And then they would go up to a laver of water and they would wash their hands. And then they would get to a flask of oil and they would pour the oil over their head. And now and only then were they ready to go into the Holy of Holies. Do you see that? The blood, the water, and the spirit, and the three that agree together as one. Most people agree with the first two baptisms, but it's the third that they get hung up on. And I said this last week as it relates to tongues because, you know, and I I had, you know, people come up and, and, uh, and and by the way, if you have objections to this message or last week's message, you can email them to Jesse. (laughs) He's doing our growth track right now, so he didn't hear that. I some someone come up to me earlier and want to debate theology. Here, here's what I don't want you to do. After the service, don't come up trying to debate theology with me. You can make an appointment. I'd love to talk to you. Um, and then come Wednesday night and let us pray over you. I just, two quick, before we before we get out of here today, two quick points about this topic. And I want to say the first one because... Uh, I hear this a lot, and uh, a lot of people who've not experienced this before uh, or who just don't believe it, they would say that people who've preached from this make me feel like I'm second rate, and I can't love God because I've not experienced what you're telling me I have to experience, and I just want to tell you that's false. I'm going to share my experience in just a moment, but you can love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And not have this benefit. So this is not, you're not second rate. But let me say this. Here's here's point number one. The baptism in the Spirit is not to make me better than you. It's to make me better than me. It's to make me better than me. Acts 1.8 says you will receive power. You will receive power. Like dynamite in the Greek, dynamite power when the Spirit comes upon you. And here's the reason. Again, this is where I might differ with some of my you know, Pentecostal friends. The reason is not so that I can wow you with my gifts, so that I can, I can get more likes and, and, and more follows on my social media because you think I'm so anointed. That's not why the Spirit came to empower us with this baptism. The Bible says in Acts 1-8 that when the Spirit comes upon you, you will become my witnesses all over the world. It doesn't say you're going to do witnessing. It says, I want to make you a witness. You will be. It's not like, hey, the Spirit's going to come upon you, and, man, you're going to have a lot of great evangelism outreach programs. And you're going to do some great witnessing when you gather together, you know, once a month and go out with your church and, and tell people, no, no, no. It says, I want to empower you to become a living testimony of the grace of Jesus Christ and have the boldness and the power to stand up to an opposing culture and generation in love, in the love of God, in confidence and present the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the purpose of it. It's not to make me better than you. It's to make me better than me. Years ago, you've heard my testimony a lot, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing again. But I was saved in boot camp in the Coast Guard and uh, came from a Baptist church, grew up Southern Baptist, and so went to a Baptist church and just knew there had to be more for me personally. And uh, I met a guy who brought me to the Pentecostal church, and uh, it, was a, a, it was a culture shock for me. It was a culture shock. I had never even seen people raise hands in worship. People, people are, are shocked coming in here. I hear people all the time like, Mo, your worship is like, whoa, like what is happening right now? I'm like, well, just come back, you know, we're gonna, you, you, you'll get used to it. We just love Jesus, really. We just love Jesus, and we're not, we're not afraid to to let people know it. I don't think when I'm in heaven, this is not in my notes, but I don't think when I'm in heaven and Jesus is... Is, is, is before me, and, and the Father is on the throne, and the four living creatures, and the angels, and, and, and every tribe, tongue, and nation around, and, and gazing at the glory of God and the beauty of Jesus Christ. And, and I don't think I'm gonna be like, man, I didn't really like this song. <laughs> didn't they just do this song like two weeks ago? They just, why do they keep repeating that chorus? I don't, I just don't think we're gonna do that. This is not going to be based on feeling. It's going to be based on what we see, what our eyes see when we gaze at the beauty of Christ. And so I want all of us to, to take another look, church. I don't care what denomination you came from. As a matter of fact, most people who are against this doctrine are not against it because of biblical interpretation. They are against it because of denominational environment mean, I talked to people who are against it, I'm like, "Why? Show me in scripture." I don't know, it's just there. No, you just grew up in a church that didn't talk about it. And people that you look up to didn't talk about it, so therefore it must not be biblical or true. Come on, we got to get past that church. We got to see scripture for what it is. So I'm in the Coast Guard in the first 6 months that I'm in the Coast Guard. I mean, I was 21 and I looked like I was 14 shaved head. I mean, I'm 37 now. I look 27. Imagine when I was 21. I mean, I just looked like a kid. And I'm trying to fit in. I go to they they, they send me to New Orleans, right? And I'm I'm the only Christian there trying to fit in as as an E2 on the, the bottom of the totem pole. And everybody's going to Bourbon Street, and everybody's partying and they're all asking me, the new guy, come on out with us, man. You know, and I I knew I was different. And so I I can't. I'm like, man, I can't do it. I can't do it. And uh, But I remember specifically moments where I would be sitting at a table with my shipmates, what we called each other, my shipmates, and we would all be sitting there. And I would have my plate there, and I'd be, I'd be thankful for my food, man. And the Lord would say, are you going to thank me? I'd be like, well, I want to thank you, but can I just do it, like, silently? No, I want you to let everybody else know that you're thankful for this meal that I just And I'm looking around, and I'm like, but they're going to look at me, and they're going to think I'm some weird Christian because I'm, like, praying over my meal. And 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 so then the Lord's like, I know, that's why I want you to do it. <laughs> I just remember, man, I, I just remember this, this this fight inside of me. And I don't know if you y'all are holy, so y'all don't have to worry about that, but this this fight to say, man, I'm gonna pray over my meal and everybody's gonna look at me. And I didn't do it. literally, I'm just here in in my shame to tell you that time after time, I was just like, thank you, Lord, and then I'd start eating, right? Because I was ashamed, I wanted to fit in. But I, I shared last week my my encounter at the church that I was going to, where where the pastor pulled me into his office. He recognized that I had a call on my life. He said, "Man, you need the power of the Holy Spirit." And I, and I, and there was a part of me that said, "I've already got the power of the Spirit." And so here's what I want to say: Yes, you can love God. This is not again not trying to say that that you're less than. This is my experience and what I see modeled in Scripture is that I loved God, but I needed I needed a an immersion in the boldness and the power of the Spirit. And so, Pastor laid hands on me. Man, God, the Spirit came all over me. And here was the mark for me. Here was the main mark. And this is where a lot of people say, well, what is the the main, you know, what happens? Well, the main thing for me, did I begin to speak in tongues and do I? Yes, I said that last week. So if that's a shocker for you, let me just drop that one in here. I pray in the Spirit every single day of my life. But the main benefit for me, was I, I, there was a a sense of boldness in my life that I had never felt before. I started praying over my meal, but man, I started walking through doors as, as God would open doors and begin to share uh, Jesus with people. And, and, and I began to lead prayer at night before we would, we would go to bed. And then I began to lead Bible studies. And then uh, I began to be out, you know, two, three days out on the water and I'd lead people to Jesus. while well, we're out there for hours and hours and you're going to ask me about my story. I'm going to start to tell you. And so I just be, but we were all friends. And so I had friends there that were atheists atheist and friends uh people just began to know like man okay he's not like I'm not carrying like a four-foot you know King James Bible in my hand and telling and holding up a sign that says turn or burn (laughs) I'm just now I'm just confident I'm just I'm just normal I'm just friends with people I'm not like if you cuss around me I'm not like ah (laughs) like don't do that please People at your job who don't have the spirit of God in them and act like a certain way, don't judge them for that. They don't know Jesus. Just love them. Don't get, ooh, he just cussed. Well, people cuss in the movies you watch and you don't say, ooh. Okay. Okay. So I began to See people saved. I, there were moments when high-ranking officers who would just know, you know, things that were happening and who I was there. And there were times when they would pull me aside. Like high-up people would come and, and and pull me aside and say, "Hey, Stephen, I heard about you. And nobody's looking. Okay, uh, I, I'm having struggles at home. Would you pray for me right now?" And in the secret, I would I would pray over these these people, and God would begin to use me. And it's amazing. Six or eight months ago, I got a message on Facebook from a guy who obviously I haven't seen since then. He's all tatted up, but we were close friends and uh, we we would go out on the water together and he was an atheist and he really didn't want anything to do with God, but we were buddies. Well, he messaged me and he said, stephen, I had to I had to reach out to you because you just need to know that your testimony, and the way you lived your life made such an impact on me that years after we got out of, the, out of the Coast Guard that God began to move in my life and showed himself real to me. And I gave my life to Jesus. And not only that, man, I'm plugged into a church and I'm singing on the worship team now. And I just need you to know that it was your testimony. It was your, your willingness to, to walk the walk and not just talk the talk and love me even though I didn't agree with you. This came because there was a there was I have yielded myself to the Holy Spirit, and this is all I'm asking you. Listen, for those of you who are struggling with this, don't call it that. Call it something else. You don't have to call it the baptism in the Spirit if you think I don't want to be a Pentecostal. Stop all that stuff. How about we just start hungering for God? How about we just start yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit and saying, God, I don't want. I, I want all of you. And and here's my my last point. This is not. This is not you getting more of God. This is God getting all of you. So it's not measuring God out and saying you can have 20% and 10% and 5%. It's you getting to the point where you say, I yield myself 100% to your work in my life. God, you can have all of me, every single square inch, every thought, my history, my past, my mistakes, my gifts, my future, my family, everything is yours. You can have it. I'm just here to tell you that if we as a church would begin to pray those kinds of prayers, God would move you would begin to see God do things through you that you've never thought possible and not only that, together together we can impact the world with the gospel of Jesus But I, I need you this is why, why am I willing to stand up here and say this, because I need you I don't need you to come complacent looking to check a box and come and sit in a church service and say, Oh, this was great today. Oh, kids was so nice. I wanna see if my kids learned a Bible verse today. Oh, we just did such a great thing today. That's great that that happens, but we, listen, I need you that, that together we can come together with all of our gifts and we can see real change happen, a real outpouring of the Spirit. I can't do it by myself. I need you, but I need you to be free and filled with the spirit of God and and remove all the religious junk, remove all the walls, all the stuff, just just get it out. Charles Spurgeon, D.L. Moody and John Wesley all spoke of subsequent experiences that empowered them and empowered their ministry. Actually D.L. Moody spoke of the baptism in the spirit and said it empowered his ministry. You can read his own, his own writings of him saying this. Now, you go to Moody Bible Institute today, they're not gonna teach you that. But Moody had, a, had an experience with the Lord where he yielded himself fully and, and a power came to his life that shifted his ministry. This is what I want for you. This is what I want for your family. I want you to begin to yield yourself and ask God for more. Matter of fact, let's do it now. Just bow your head with me right now. Let's just begin to seek the Lord. I don't care how, how long you've been saved. I don't care, you know, if you've been saved for 55 years and, 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 and already, you know, it received this, experienced it or not. It doesn't matter. All of us in this room today, I want us to begin to hunger after God. So Lord, right now, would you move in this place like a, like a wind? Just, just fanning flames, Fanning flames. flames even that have gone really, 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 really small today. you're going to blow on those, on those flames and we're going to begin to see a fire. We're going to begin to see uh, a, a fresh yielding of, of ourselves to your spirit. So Lord, even now break, break objections, break disbelief and let faith rise up in this room. Have your way, have your way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.